Hail and welcome to A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. You are listening to episode number 16, and we're going to be discussing deities and deity worship and or veneration in witchcraft. And by we, I mean I will be talking and you will be listening because that's how podcasts work. I have no idea why I prefer to say it that way. We will explore. We will discuss. Uh, When I'm talking into a microphone all by myself, as a matter of fact. But it just feels right. Anyway, before we get started, I want to begin with a warm welcome and a very enthusiastic thank you to my newest members of the Patreon, The Rusted Rabbit and Tracy, which is actually a different Tracy than the Tracy whom I thanked in the last episode. So we have two Tracys now, names spelled differently. I hope you all enjoy being a part of this little growing community that we've started. Today, I will be posting a poll as I do every first Friday of the month, so members of the spells tier and up can vote on the monthly spell that I will create and we will perform together on the last Friday of the month. That's just one of the benefits of being a member of the Patreon, along with early release unedited video format episodes and weekly collective readings, plus some occasional bonus content and merch, plus spell boxes delivered to your door if you are a Rituals tier member. Once again, the Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash A is for Agrimony. Check it out if you feel so inclined. You can support the podcast for just $3 a month and get in on all the fun I just mentioned for $5 a month. And speaking of the rusted rabbit, this just so happens to be an amazing crafter of eclectic crystal and gemstone jewelry and accessories. I have a piece by them that is an absolutely beautiful serpent ring with a carnelian Check them out at therustedrabbitgr.com. Okay, finally, before I get started, I want to send out a reminder that the Jim and Jupe tour is kicking off next weekend, and some tickets are still available if you're thinking that you'd like to go. This will be a live show featuring the hosts of the Witch Bitch Amateur Hour, or WABA, as well as the hosts of Two Geminis and a Leo, or 2G1L. Both podcasts performed at Anahata's Purpose 2022 live, so a team-up is the only next natural step and sure to be hilariously entertaining. Also, there are virtual tickets available, so if you are sad that you can't make it physically, have no fear, check out anahatuspurpose.com tour. There are virtual tickets available. The tour will be starting off in Philadelphia for the first two events, which will be on the 15th for Emo Night and the 16th for Wild West Night, and then continuing the following weekend in Nyack, New York on the 22nd for Paranormal Night, and then down in Moncton, Maryland, that's just outside of Baltimore, on the 23rd to end the tour with Prom Night. I've already got my outfits prepared, people, for each event as I will be at all of them, and I certainly hope to see as many of you as possible there. Again, go to anahatuspurpose.com slash tour to scoop up some tickets. And... If you're planning on going to any of the Philly shows, the World of Oddities Expo will also be going on in the city the exact same weekend. So between that and the Jim and Jupe tour, there's lots of fun to be had in the city that weekend. All right, let's get on with deities and deity worship or veneration in witchcraft. (laughs) 
witches and magical practitioners come from many different backgrounds, traditions, and schools of thought. In some of these, deity worship is absolutely essential. For example, in Wicca, which is widely referred to as a religion, there is much emphasis on a goddess as well as a god in many of the traditions. In some of these, the identity or the name of the goddess and god is only revealed to initiates. And in other traditions, these central figures are referred to as simply the triple goddess and the horned god. I should point out that there are many traditions under the umbrella of Wicca, and these are just two examples. In other non-religion-based traditions of witchcraft, deity worship and or veneration is completely optional. Most eclectic witches and folk witches fall under this category. But as you begin to explore the many traditions of witchcraft and its vast and varied community, you will see that it's pretty difficult and wholly unnecessary to put everyone into a category. I'm only using these examples for the sake of my discussion on deities. But in truth, no two witches or practitioners are alike. And still, in many other traditions, the veneration of ancestors and land or nature spirits takes a much higher precedence, or in some cases completely replaces deity worship altogether. I also want to point out here that I do plan on exploring the veneration of spirits and ancestors further, but when we get closer to Samhain, as that seems like a very appropriate time to discuss it when honoring the dead is particularly common for many people. So moving on, this is not an easy topic to cover, especially in roughly a half an hour, but I'm going to do my best. Okay, let's start with describing the difference between veneration and worship because they are very different. If you were to compare the two words in terms of technical definition, you would find not much difference in them at all. But in the world of religion, and especially in the world of witchcraft and paganism, they have very different meanings indeed. For example, in Catholicism, veneration is a type of honor distinct from true worship or veritable adoration, which is due to God alone. So one might venerate Mary or the saints, while worship is reserved for God or Jesus Christ. In witchcraft, it is looked at in much the same way. Worship is seen as complete and total adoration and the highest devotion, whereas veneration is more indicative of respect and admiration. We would not grovel at the feet of those that we venerate or follow them blindly. Instead, we offer displays of our respect and affection by way of offerings, prayers, or acts of service in honor of, say, a deity or a spirit. I say we because I count myself in the team of veneration, as worship really never felt comfortable for me. You know, I've said before that I was raised in the Catholic Church, uh, and it didn't stick. But for some, it is a comfortable way to practice, and that is completely okay. The beauty of witchcraft is the striking of your own path, and that includes deciding just how much devotion you are willing to give to a deity or a spirit. So whether you venerate or worship your deity will largely be a matter of choice. But it might also depend on which deity you end up connecting with. I've had more than one friend tell me in the past that Jupiter, for example, just likes to be worshipped, and will shower you with his favor in response. 
I do work with Jupiterian energy from time to time, but being not much of a worshiper of any kind, I'm much more comfortable in my relationship with my patron deity, and she doesn't require that. But like all deities, she certainly enjoys offerings, ritual, self-care, and of course, veneration. And yes, I know that technically I should be referring to her as my matron deity, but (laughs) try to tell her that. Anyway. So there is really no set rules regarding deity worship or veneration. You could end up working with just one deity that you feel fully devoted to, multiple deities that call to you in different times of your life for different reasons, an entire pantheon of them, or none at all. Zip. Everything here is based on personal choice, experience, and above all, your own personal comfort, which is why you should never force it or you never want to force it. You may choose a deity that represents all the things that you feel aligned with and start reaching out, or one day one of them might actually reach out to you. The important thing is that your experience is your own and that your encounter and subsequent relationship with your deity enriches your experience as a witch, as a pagan, as a magical practitioner, or whatever it is that you refer to yourself as. It should also help you feel more connected to your spiritual path, your soul self, and of course, to nature. So from druidry.org on veneration, connecting with deities. Venerating the deities helps to re-empower nature and the land and ourselves. It helps us to reconnect with nature, the great spirit, the all, the source, assists with self-realization, know thyself, and can enrich one's life greatly. Although primarily devotional, this isn't about mindless groveling, infatuation, fear, or stern duty. It's about joyous, loving, and respectful connection. To a point, you get out what you put in. But not necessarily in trying to make a tit-for-tat, bargain-like relationship. What really matters is offering open and sincere love trust, appreciation, and respect without thought of reward or expectations. This can happen over time. Any reward may come on its own time. There can also be the occasional pleasant surprise, perhaps in the form of a sudden insight. Relating with a deity tends to be reciprocal as the devotional energy of the human empowers the deity a little and the deity empowers the human. Basically, it's an exchange of energies. Relationship with deities is inclusive in that a single deity will generally have many followers, just as a human may revere a number of deities. However beautiful the relationship, one is not preferred over the other. Developing relationship with one or more deities may sound challenging, but is it? We have all shared relationships with family, lovers, friends, and even other species, such as dogs. Our experience of relationships with other humans, etc., is invaluable, as relationship with deities is somewhat like those all rolled into one. In a way, it's easier, as deities don't have egos in the same sense that humans do. Also, we have the higher self, the divine within, which provides a profound potential connection. However, it's the responsibility of the human to be respectful, open-minded, open-hearted, and to keep the ego in check. All right, so I want to go into reasons why you might want to work with a deity and some ways to choose one and important questions to ask yourself. But first, let's define some important terms that could be helpful in developing your own views on the topic. 
The first are obviously monotheism and polytheism. If you're familiar with a few of the dominant organized religions in the world, you already know that monotheism is the belief in just one supreme God as the creator, the savior, the final judge and jury, etc. Polytheism is the belief in multiple deities, which are usually assembled into a pantheon of gods and goddesses, along with their own religious sects and rituals. Polytheism conflicts with monotheism, the belief in a singular god who is, in most cases, transcendent. In religions that accept polytheism, the different gods and goddesses may be representations of forces of nature or ancestral principles. They can be viewed either as autonomous or as aspects of emanations of a creator deity or transcendental absolute principle, which manifests imminently in nature. Polytheists do not always worship all the gods equally. They can be henotheists, specializing in the worship of one particular deity, 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 sorry, specializing in the worship of one particular deity, or cathenotheists, worshiping different deities at different times. Which brings me to the term monolatry. Monolatry is the belief in the existence of many gods but with the consistent worship of only one deity. A monolatrist worships one god while accepting that others may worship different gods, a concept that would really benefit most people in this world if they could just get down with it. So monolatry is distinguished from monotheism, which asserts the existence of only one god, and henotheism, a religious system in which the believer worships one god while accepting the others may worship different gods with equal validity. I hope you're still with me. Now, another set of terms that distinguish the difference between polytheists are soft polytheism and hard polytheism. Pause for giggles. These two terms represent the major difference between two types of polytheists. In soft polytheism, it is believed that different gods may either be psychological archetypes, personifications of natural forces, or being one essential god interpreted through the lens of different cultures. For example, Odin, Zeus, and Indra, all being the same god as interpreted by Germanic, Greek, and Indic peoples, respectively. This is also known as omnitheism, and in this way, gods may be interchangeable for one another across cultures. Now, in hard polytheism, it is believed that gods are completely distinct from one another, separate, real divine beings, rather than psychological archetypes or personifications of natural forces. Hard polytheists reject the idea that all gods are one essential god, and may also reject the existence of gods outside of their own pantheon altogether. Now, keep in mind that you do not have to subscribe to either of these ideas, but it's good to know how many people come to worship or venerate their deities from different perspectives. I once heard Jason Miller say that he subscribes to neither, inferring that the truth of the gods is probably far more complex to us to fully understand but that they are likely much more subtle in their existence, moving and weaving in and out of each other like streams of smoke from incense, while still maintaining their individuality. 
In this way, he neither confirms nor denies either soft or hard polytheism. And that's where I'm also comfortable letting my opinion lie for now. Okay, so you want to introduce a deity or maybe a couple of them into your practice. Or maybe one has been reaching out, but you're not sure who or where and how to spark up a relationship. Let's start with some questions that you could ask yourself. Are you looking for personal advice and guidance for your life's journey and your craft? If so, you might want to start out with ancestry work before going straight for a deity. But if you're still determined, it could be that a mother goddess is one that might feel comfortable to reach out to. Do you have any fellow witches in your life who are devoted to a specific deity who they may feel comfortable enough sharing elements of their work with you, even helping you to get started if their deity feels appealing to you? Uh, do you want a relationship with a deity that is gentle, loving, and ready to embrace you, or one that is more stern, bold, and willing to help you with things like self-assertion or furthering your magic and spiritual education? Sometimes this can be the same deity or a few massively different ones. For example, a love goddess like Aphrodite also has warrior qualities about her, and Artemis is known for being a protector of women, especially maidens, but she's also the huntress and a lunar deity. Hecate and, say, Saturn have both illuminating qualities as well as dark ones, able to help you with guidance and lessons that will assist you in overcoming life's difficulties, and certainly willing to help us with the tools we need to become more knowledgeable and adept at our practice but also tied to aspects of darkness that some may not feel comfortable diving into. Though, I can assure you that the darkness is just as beneficial as the light, something we all come to learn eventually. Another question is, are there any animal associations that are important to you that maybe come up a lot in your day-to-day -to, -day to the point where it's impossible to not notice? or is simply important to you because of a special symbolism that you alone understand. Uh, the Egyptian pantheon, for example, was especially fond of something we call zoomorphism, which is many animals being sacred to particular deities. Cats to Bastet, ibises and baboons to Thoth, crocodiles to Sobek and Ra, fish to Set, mongoose, shrew, and birds to Horus, dogs and jackals to Anubis serpents and eels to Atum, and beetles to Kefera, bulls to Apis. The owl is sacred to the goddess Athena, among a few others, but in some Native American traditions, it is a dark omen, so it's important to follow your own personal instincts here. Something else to ask yourself is how much you actually want to become involved with a particular deity. Yes, deities are free of ego, and who would want to bother involving themselves with a higher being who might act out of spite if they don't get the attention from you that they think they deserve? No thanks, dude. See your way out, please. But there are still some deities that will hold you to any promise or oath that you make to them, or some that will expect you to keep up a certain level of veneration or even self-work, or they will simply grow tired and slip away, seeing that empty gestures do not make up a relationship worth nurturing here. Other deities simply love to be called on for help or have a soft spot for individuals from marginalized or oppressed groups. 
it's very important to do your research and learn what a certain deity might expect from you or if you are the right fit based on your own situation. I know this sounds like a lot, but these are the things that happen automatically in your mind when you're meeting a possible new friend. I'm simply explaining the natural development of a harmonious relationship. Uh, This is why you could also ask yourself what type of people you enjoy in your usual day-to-day. Do you like bold personalities who fill a room and brighten everyone's day? Or do you prefer quiet and thoughtful people who listen well and give sound advice? Do you like a sly companion who keeps you on your toes and always has a trick up his sleeve and knows just how to deal with troublesome people and situations? These are qualities you can look for in a deity. Another question, are there any other symbols or strange insights that have come to you when you're not looking for them? This could be pointing to a deity reaching out and showing you the way to them. And finally, where and how are you most enthusiastic in your magic? Are you a hearth witch who mainly focuses on home protection, health, and kitchen witchery? Maybe Hestia, Frigg, or Brigid could be the right fit for you. Do you have your head in the books, always looking for new knowledge, new types of magic to try, and ways to expand your understanding as well as your capacity for spell work? You may find you're aligned with Thoth, Hermes, Athena, Odin, or Hecate. Are you mostly concerned with the land that you live on and connected to the earth and nature spirits in every aspect of your life? Perhaps Gaia or Mother Earth, Demeter, Matt Zemlia, or Pachamama? Or have you set your sights on the stars, the moon, the planets, letting astrology become a major contributing factor in your magical practice? You may want to focus on the planetary energies ruled by Roman gods, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, and or Pluto. There are deities that are well suited to each type of practitioner. Even if you like to play in the dark, explore the shadows, or the themes of warrior energy and rage, things that others may find scary, or Congress with the dead when you want to expand your mind. Oh boy, (laughs) there is someone for you too. Maybe it's Hades, Persephone, the Furies, Medusa, Anubis, Ares, or Kali. Just always keep in mind that some cultural traditions may be closed to you, and therefore it might be unlikely that a deity or supreme spirit from a specific culture or tradition would be a good fit, and it's very likely that you may inadvertently be stumbling into the territory of appropriation if you ignore that bit. The deities that are appropriate for you, in both your value alignment as well as your ancestral or cultural background, tend to show up. So be careful not to force anything that is, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, unnatural for you specifically. Most importantly, it is knowing yourself and knowing your craft that will be the quickest way to deity, whether they find you or vice versa. You may end up settling in with a creator deity, a culture hero, a death deity or chthonic god or goddess, a life, death, and rebirth deity, a love goddess, a mother goddess, a politically driven deity who is always supportive of the underdog, a sky or celestial deity, a trickster, a water or ocean god, a lunar deity, or one that is heavily associated with the arts and pleasure of the senses. 
Just so long as you are comfortable with the alignment and willing to do a little work, the choice is yours. Okay, it's story time. (laughs) It's been a little while since I told a story, I think. So when I was in elementary school, we covered Greek mythology. So strange that I learned Greek mythology, but was still under the very false impression that Christopher fucking Columbus discovered America. But that's a discussion for another time. Anyway, my teacher assigned us the task of choosing a god or a goddess from Greek mythology and writing a book report on them. So I poured through the books in class, and then I eventually made my way to the library after not really finding anything that excited me. And finally, I came across the one. So I ended up writing a fourth grade book report on Hecate. From the information I had available to me, she was the goddess of magic and witchcraft and favored by Zeus and given domain over land, sea, and sky. She seemed to me so much cooler than the other deities in all her darkness as well as her benevolence. I also included the story of how she helped Persephone and Demeter in my report. I hadn't yet come across the story of the Trojan War, where she traded places with Iphigenia, who was about to be sacrificed, or how her animal companion, one of the black dogs named Hecuba, was a mortal queen who Hecate took pity on and rescued through transformation. And still other stories I had yet to learn, like when she used her torches and pack of dogs to wake the city of Byzantium that was about to be attacked by Philip II of Macedon, giving the people time to prepare for the attack. That such a dark, powerful, and undeniably formidable figure could also be one of seemingly infinite kindness for those in need spoke to me in a way that my fourth grade brain didn't even quite understand yet. I know now that it was years of being teased for my broken English, which is now absolutely fucking perfect, by the way my inability to blend in with the other kids who dressed and talked as if they had been trained to do so in some other secret school that I wasn't a part of, and above all else, my desire for magic that was just beginning to spark within me. I didn't know it at the time, but this fourth grade book report read aloud in the front of the class that only redoubled my classmates' opinion that I was a strange girl was my first call to the goddess, my first attempt at reaching her and expressing my pure admiration and curious desire to go deeper. And I know now that she heard me all those years ago. Now, my self <laughs> excuse me, my self-proclaimed status as a devotee didn't come for many years later. And even still, I have had times where I've fallen into slumps and lost my connection. I told one such story in a previous episode. I believe it was episode four, actually. But one thing is certain, my connection to Hecate did not happen suddenly. And I certainly didn't choose her out of a hat. And if you were to ask me if I actually chose her or if it was the other way around, I really couldn't say with any certainty one way or the other. But I can say that it took me a lot of time and it took a lot of research on my end and it took quite a bit of quiet meditation. I know, I know. You know, that dirty word that most of us don't like to mutter. (laughs) Meditation. 
So I'm going to end here with a meditation exercise that I got, again, from druidry.org. And then I have a list of books that can help you get more acquainted with many different deities, as well as how to reach out when you're ready. So here is meditation as a way of encountering a deity. The following meditation slash inner journey is one way of encountering a deity. The mind needs to be as relaxed and calm as possible, as anxiety or too much expectation will greatly reduce any chance of success in this or any other meditation of this kind. (laughs) No pressure. It may need to be repeated a number of times. Allow up to 30 minutes. Alternatively, you can make up your own or modify this one if you wish. Try to really live the scene, the sense, the sounds, what you see, etc. Recording it may be helpful. Um, This or a similar journey can also be used to meet animal guides. All right, so let's start. Close your eyes and spend a few minutes relaxing your body, particularly around the neck and shoulders. Try to let go of any worries and calm the mind. Imagine you are walking down a footpath in the countryside and arrive at a gate. Open the gate, walk through, and then close it behind you. Before you, the footpath runs through a beautiful meadow. The blooms of bright yellow buttercups and white and purple clover raise their lovely faces to the blue sky. The gentle breeze caresses your hair and you feel the kiss of the sun on your skin. Subtle summer scents grace the warm air. After crossing the meadow, you arrive at a stile leading into a wood with a noble oak on either side. Cross the stile and follow the path into the wood. Tall trees tower above you, their leafy crowns giving shade and whispering in the breeze. Birds joyfully sing their praises to the sun. You arrive in a small glade and settle on the soft grass, awaiting the arrival of a deity. After a while, you see them approach you from amongst the trees. You stand up and respectfully introduce yourself and await a response. At this point, follow your intuition if possible and let the events flow. After a while, you offer thanks and you part and happily walk back along the path through the trees and cross the stile. Follow the footpath through the verdant meadow and through the gate again. When you're ready, slowly open your eyes and feel your feet firmly on the floor and ground yourself. A cup of tea and a snack will help you return to the present. Okay, after meditation, here are some checks to help establish whether one is deluded or has met an inauthentic or false guide. 
And these checks can be applied to any teaching you encounter as well. Number one, does the guide or teaching insist you must follow it exclusively or lose your way? Number two, does the guide say that you are the second coming or something similarly extravagant? Number three, does the guide inhibit free will or the capacity to think and act for yourself? If you answer yes to any of these questions, it's probably best to say a firm yet polite goodbye and have no further involvement. Deities are mysterious and seemingly paradoxical. A deity can give personal attention to a number of people simultaneously and be in different places at the same time. They're not bound by space and time in the way humans in the temporal everyday world are. Inner journeying enables humans to leave the temporal world in a broadly meditative state. In effect, deities are general fields or forces of nature. Humans are essentially energy fields, but of a different nature. The deities are totally detached from human standards. So, in wrapping this up, you may or may not work with a deity your entire journey. Some may come and go, while others do in fact stay with you for the rest of your journey. Whatever your relationship is with your deities, always remember to thank them when working with them and always offer them something in return for their help and guidance. Now, I've compiled a list of books, of course, uh, that you may find helpful in starting on your journey to deity, as well as some other books that are more specific to some pantheons or cultures that may be relevant to you. First, I have Invoke the Goddess, Connecting to the Hindu, Greek, and Egyptian Deities by Kala Trobe, Magic of the Gods and Goddesses, How to Invoke Their Powers by DJ Conway, What is Remembered Lives, Developing Relationships with Deities, Ancestors, and the Fae by Phoenix Le Fay and Fio Gade Parma, The Goddess Discovered. Exploring the Divine Feminine Around the World by Shelley A. Carr, Ph.D., and Chris Franken. Queen of All Witcheries, a biography of the goddess. Enhance your connection to the goddess through historical writings and hands-on rituals by Jack Chanick. The Horned God of the Witches. Discover the history, magic, and myths of the Horned One by Jason Mankey. Maiden, Mother, and Crone. The Three Faces of the Goddess by DJ Conway. Gods and Goddesses, The Rise of Divine Mythologies by Gabion Marin. Dedicant Devotee Priest, A Pagan Guide to Divine Relationships by Stephanie Woodfield. And from these generalized topics, you may decide that there is a pantheon or a specific culture relevant to you that you are more interested in focusing your learning on. And I also have a list of books here. This is not the, <laughs> I, I promise you, there are hundreds, possibly thousands that you have to choose from, but these are just some that stood out to me. The Spirit of the Celtic Gods and Goddesses, Their History, Magical Power, and Healing Energies by Carl McCullman and Catherine Heinz. Modern Witchcraft with the Greek Gods, History, Insights, and Magical Practice, A Witch's 21st Century Guide to Making Magic with the Greek Gods by Jason Menke and Astrea Taylor. Dark Goddess Craft, A Journey Through the Heart of Transformation by Stephanie Woodfield. Babalao, The Secrets of Afro-Cuban Ifa by Baba Frank Ayoigbe. Pathworking the Egyptian Gods by Judith Page and Jan A. Malik. 
Seven Goddesses of the Hellenistic World, Ancient Worship for Modern Times by Joe Graham. Goddesses and gods embrace the power, invocations with the feminine and masculine divine by Stacey DeMarco and Jimmy Manton. And Knowing the Orisha Gods and Goddesses by Waldette Tristeo and Cacao Brassain. Okay, that is all that I have for you today. Please be well and have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you listen. If you want some more content, please go to www.aisforagrimony.com, where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, and soon to come, the coven shop. You can also follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between every word. Or like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash a is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at a is for agrimony.com. And if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join me over on Patreon at patreon.com slash a is for agrimony, where I share early release, unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, and much more. You're also welcome to send me some snail mail, if you're that kind of person, to P.O. Box 397, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, zip code 08003. I'd love a good surprise. or not. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be well and have an amazing weekend.